Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. If you enjoy mining for gold and silver out of God's holy word, you're going to love A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter. A Sheep Speaks combines great Bible truths you might not hear anywhere else with nuts and bolts testimonies of how these truths can be applied to your life. A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter starts now. Good morning. We're going to be talking about overcoming fear today. You know, that's one of Satan's most sly tactics is to try to get us in fear so that we're afraid to move, so that we're paralyzed with fear. But God's given us some scriptures to show us how to overcome this fear. Fear affects us all at one time or another. But we can find scriptures to help us overcome fear. And, of course, the Holy Spirit will be our teacher to help instruct us on what to do, how to pray, and how to get the victory over fear. But the first thing we need to know, we have to establish, is the fact that the Word of God is all-powerful and that God cannot lie. In Psalms 12:6, it teaches us that the word is as pure as gold. It says the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth. It was purified seven times. And in Numbers 23:19, we see that God cannot lie. It says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? You know, our friends can give us promises. You know, I've had people say, oh, yeah, I'll help you move. Then on moving day, of course, they disappear, and you don't know where they went. And many other things. You know, you can't always count on human beings. But this right here says, hath God said, and will he not do it? He will never make you a promise that he will not keep. Now, Will he keep it in your time? Maybe not. You know, he made a promise to Abraham, and I think it was like 25 years later or something like that before it actually came to pass. So just because God makes you a promise doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. But it does mean that he is a man that he cannot lie, and if he has said it, he is going to perform it. You know, he's given us a promise in Scripture for many things, but one of the things is that he's promised that he who started a good work in you or your loved one, shall perform it till the day of Christ Jesus. So I know some of us have lost children or lost parents or um, any maybe lost uh, friends of some sort. And God has shown us and told us that he's already started to work in them. You've seen evidence of it. But then it's like they go backwards. They're not growing. Uh, they're falling away. They're falling back into their old sins. And the devil wants to come in and say, see, you're, you just believed God for no reason. He's not doing anything. But God promised in his word that is tried in a furnace seven times, he, if he has started a good work in you or your loved one, 
that he will perform it till the day of Christ Jesus. So not everyone gets a massive transformation right away. I know in my own life, I called out on the name of the Lord in a dire situation when I was about 25. And the Lord did step in and he did, we started a work and uh, he caused me to turn from some of my sins and and uh, But I didn't exactly know what God had done. So many times I wouldn't give my testimony because I didn't understand it myself. So I figured, you know, if I don't understand my testimony, I ought not try to explain it to someone else. But about 10 years later, he did a very uh, confirming work in my heart. And I was soundly converted. And when I asked God and questioned him about that, he showed me that scripture where he said he touched the blind man and he saw men as trees walking, but then he touched him again, and he saw everything plainly. He saw men plainly, and the Lord showed me in my own life, even though it was a 10-year span between the first touch and the second touch, that he had touched me the first time because I was in a dire place where I probably wouldn't have lived through it had he not touched me. But he converted me firmly about 10 years later. And so he showed me he touched me the first time, and then he had to touch me again before I could see things plainly and actually know what had happened to me. So God doesn't always save us all the same. You know, some people come with a whisper. Some people's life have to fall apart before they come to the Lord. You know, he showed me one time, you can come the easy way or you can come the hard way. But God, if he's got his hand on you and he's touched you, he is going to perform that work until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's not going to let go of your hand. I heard a preacher say one time, not too long ago, as a matter of fact, that he was um, had this little girl in his congregation and she didn't have a grandpa. So she kind of attached to him. And his office was downstairs. So many times they had to walk down the stairs and she was like a toddler, like about two years old to go in his office because he had some candy in there and he, he would let her, you know, uh, call him Papa. And uh, so anyway, but he said, you know, her hand in my hand, her holding my hand really didn't keep her from falling down those steep stairs. But my hand holding her hand was very firm grip and she could have not fallen with me holding her. And sometimes we try to grab a hold of God's hand and our flesh is weak. You know, the scripture says that the, uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we try to hold God's hand, but once he gets a firm grip on our hand, we're not going to fall. We might stumble a little bit, but we're not going to fall. He's going to hold on to us, and he's going to perform that work that he has started in us until the day of Christ Jesus. And so we can trust his grip. His grip is firm, whereas our grip sometimes is not that firm. Amen. So where does fear come from? You know, God does not give us a spirit of fear, he says. And 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, teaches us that fear is never from God. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If the thoughts and worries tormenting you involve fear, you automatically know that those thoughts are not from God, but they are from your enemy, Satan. And so you can, the Bible says in one place that you can take those thoughts captive. Just because thoughts are in your mind 
That doesn't mean you have to dwell on them. That doesn't mean you have to allow those fearful thoughts to stay there. You literally have authority over that if you're a born-again Christian. And so um, you don't have to uh, entertain those thoughts. If they come, you can cast them out. But like I said, if those thoughts and worries are tormenting you, you know that they're not from God. And in 1 John 4.18, it says, God does not torment his children. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts, perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So now, uh, would you, as a father or a mother, would you torment your children? Most people would definitely say, no, they wouldn't do that. Well, God is a much better parent than any of us. And if we wouldn't torment our children, God would certainly not torment his children. And so we can trust him today. We can trust his promises. Uh, Any promise you find in the Bible, you can claim it as your own. Now, some promises do have conditions, you know, like blessing your finances. It says, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So we have to do the give part in order to receive that promise. Many promises are conditional, but some promises are not. And this one here, you know, where the Lord says, he who started a good work in you shall perform it till the day of Christ Jesus. That doesn't depend on you or me. That depends on God's faithfulness, and he can be trusted. In Ephesians 6.16, it says, it's teaching us that we have the power to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. You know, he's constantly shooting those fiery darts at us, trying to make us doubt, trying to make us doubt the word of God. But Ephesians 6.16 says, above all... Taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not some of the fiery darts. It says all of the fiery darts. So whether it's in the middle of the night when he's trying to convince you you have a, a you know a fatal disease, uh, or whether it's in the middle of the night when he's trying to convince you that your children are in harm's way, uh, we have the authority and the power to quench those fiery darts by faith, by holding on to the promises of God and claiming them and taking them as our own. And so uh, in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says we are not to be ashamed or uh, not to be anxious, I should say, or fearful over anything. It says in the King James, it says be careful for nothing. But in other translations, it says be anxious for nothing. So that's the same meaning. Be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, you thank God before it happens, amen? Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, don't be anxious, but with prayer and supplication, and then thankfulness, before you see the answer, be thankful. Then let your request be made known unto God. And he promises, if you do that, the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds. Now, I must confess, I've had to read this passage and pray this passage numerous times during the night when I was anxious before I found that peace. 
But if you take this word and you pray it and you read it and you send it back to God in a prayer, he says he promises that the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so that's a promise we can hold on to. Amen. I know that's happened to me many times, and that's helped me. That promise has given me the ability to go to sleep when I wasn't able to sleep because I was so anxious. And then he says, finally, brethren, in Philippians 4, 8, he's telling us instead of fear, he's telling us what we can think about or what we should think about. And he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and then he says whatsoever things are of a good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things so the lord is saying stop believing the lies of the enemy take those thoughts captive into the obedience of the lord jesus christ and start thinking about these things he's listed in Philippians 4, 8. He says you can force yourself to change your thoughts. And this is so true. And so many of us, including myself, we just think that thoughts just, they're there and they have to stay there and there's nothing we can do about them. But that's not true. We can take them captive. We can quench them with the shield of faith and with the promises of God. That's another reason it wouldn't be a bad idea to memorize some of those promises or write them down. Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, he says he'll raise up a standard against him. And we can take those promises. And when when the enemy comes in and says, like, for instance, the one I was saying a while ago, uh, well, you know, your children are not going to come to faith. They're they're out there. They're just doing, you know, stuff that they shouldn't be doing. But you can say, but, you know, the Lord says, raise up a child in the way he shall go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so you can quote that scripture back to Satan and say, you're a liar. I have a promise from God, and he is not a man that he should lie. So I'm going to believe him over you, Satan. Amen. And so we can fight. You have to fight these thoughts. I think there's a there's even many books, I believe, written on the battlefield of the mind. You know, if Satan can't get you to think about a sin, he certainly can't get you to commit a sin. And so the battlefield really is in the mind. Even I heard a sermon one time, it said the battle before the battle. And that even happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, the the battle was in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't on the cross. That's where the Lord struggled. That's where he sweat literal blood. And that is where he said, Lord, if there be any way, let this from me, nevertheless, thy will be done and not mine. And so our battle happens before the actual sin comes to pass or before our fall or before we do any of these things that we shouldn't be doing. We have to allow Satan to get into our mind and control our thoughts. And then he takes us down this long journey and says, how woe is me, how awful I am. My life's horrible. There's no hope. I ruined everybody's life. I might as well just end it all, you know. And all that is a lie. And we have authority over that. And we have scripture that will combat that. So scripture is so important to memorize, to write down, to uh, believe 
you know, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you don't hear biblically sound teachers teaching the word of God, you don't read the word of God, you don't know the promises. You know, it's like a jailer who has the keys. You're in jail. Just say you're in jail and the jailer's walking by and he has keys hanging off his belt. You know, if you could get your hands on those keys, it'll unlock that that cell. Well, God is the one with the keys. The word of God is the one with the keys to unlock that cell in your mind where the, the enemy has you captive with these horrible thoughts. And if you get those keys that are in Scripture, there's a Scripture that says you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So if you can get those truths out of Scripture, whether it be by hearing a minister, a biblically sound minister, there's a lot of ministers today that are not biblically sound, so you have to be careful who you listen to. But um, whether you get it from hearing a, a sermon or whether you get them from reading them off a page, that is where your key is to unlock this torment that's going on in your mind. It is the Word of God. Whether it's the spoken word, the written word, whether you listen to it on audio Bible, you've got to get the word in your mind because that is your only weapon. You know, in Ephesians 6, it lists many weapons, and there's uh, quite a few of them. And the only offensive weapon is the word of God. That's your sword. Your sword of the spirit is the word of God. Every other weapon listed in Ephesians 6 is a defensive weapon. And you need those too, but you need the word of God if you're going to win the spiritual war you're in. You know, when you got born again, whether you know it or not, you were drafted into a spiritual war. Satan does not want you to know that. And so and if you're going to win in that war, you're going to have to have a weapon. And the only offensive weapon you have is the word of God. So you're going to have to get that in you one way or the other if you want to stand in the evil days when Satan's just running rampant. But God, he who is in us, is greater than he who is in the world. We do not have to fear the world. We do not have to fear Satan. But we do have to have a weapon. How would you like to be in boot camp and them tell you, okay, like we're going to drop you down into enemy territory, but we're not going to give you a gun or a, or a spear or a uh, bayonet or whatever they're called. We're not going to give you any hand grenades, and we're not going to give you anything to fight with. So good luck. Well, if you get born again and you don't learn the word of God, that's exactly what you've done to yourself. You have been dropped into the enemy territory without any weapons. And believe you me, if you don't have the word of God and the promises of God, you are going to fall, and then you're going to fall again and again and again until you pick up your only weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and start fighting the enemy and tell him he cannot have authority over you, that your father is stronger than he is. You know, they, they used to say, I remember a long time ago with little boys, they'd fight, they'd start fighting, you know, and they'd say, well, my daddy's stronger than your daddy. And, oh, no, my daddy's stronger than your daddy. And that's, that may sound like a silly uh, example, but that's the way it is. And I'll tell you one thing, if you're born again, your daddy is stronger than Satan. Amen. 
And so we need to realize that that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to, one way or the other, we're going to have to get that word in us if we want to stand in this evil day. And uh, in Isaiah 26.3, it says that we have a promise. It says, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So it says, because he trusteth in thee. And once again, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing cometh by the word of God. And you can't trust in somebody unless you know them. You just don't trust a stranger on the street. You know, you wouldn't take your little girl and say, and and give her to some guy on the street and say, hey, would you watch her while I uh, go, you know, to the gym for an hour? You wouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Let me put it that way. Because you don't trust people you don't know. You can't trust God if you don't know him. And you can't get to know him any other way but getting into the word of God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I know one time I was in dire straits. Um, I was living in Port Lavaca, Texas. And I was in a desperately uh, severe custody battle and uh, the Lord was showing me that I had to come back to Houston and Houston was where my custody battle was uh, raging the most and so I didn't want to do that and about I did not know this was I did not know Isaiah 26 3 was a scripture never had read it never had heard it preached and about five times the Lord spoke to my mind the Holy Spirit said to me Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. And then it came again and again and again. And I just thought, I just I received it. I could tell it was a good word, but I had no idea where it came from. And then in the next few days, I went through some of the roughest times in my life. I had to come back and face some issues. And um, I was arrested for kidnapping my own son, basically. They called it interference with child custody, but what it was was, it had the same uh, penalty as kidnapping, a uh, maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. I spent three weeks in jail under a $100,000 bond. But this scripture right here, Isaiah 26.3, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. You don't know how many times during that three weeks that my mind wanted to go other places. It wanted to go to my little boy. It wanted to go to what was going to happen in court. It wanted to go to all these fearful, horrible places. But the Lord, I didn't know it at the time, like I said. I knew it was the Lord, but I didn't know it was a scripture. I found out many years later, I read the scripture, Isaiah 26, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And I thought, wow, the Holy Spirit spoke that scripture to my mind about five times to keep me from falling and to keep me from crashing and burning during those horrible days. By the way, the end of that story is that I was totally exonerated and no charges were ever uh, pursued and all charges were dropped. And it was a ridiculous trumped up thing that came against me. But in the meantime, I had to deal with it. And the Lord was showing me, if I didn't keep my mind stayed on him, if I let my mind go to my little boy about 
what was being done to him or where he was or how he was doing, if I let my mind go to the courtroom and the 20 years possibly in prison, if I let my mind go to those places, I wouldn't have had one drop of peace. But the Lord warned me ahead of time, keep your mind on me, and then you can have perfect peace. And, of course, the flip side of that is if you don't keep your mind on me, you're not going to have peace. And so this literally can save your life. This one scripture can save your life. So I encourage you today to get in that word. Satan is a liar, and the Lord is not a man that he should lie. He's not capable of lying. In John eight forty four, it says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So Satan's not only a liar, he's the father of all lies. And he cannot, it's impossible for him to speak the truth. I heard a preacher one time, he said, uh, how do I know Satan's lying? And he said, because his lips are moving. If his lips are moving, he's lying because he can't tell the truth. It says the truth is not in him. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it teaches us that we have to fight the right person. The enemy wants you to fight other people, your spouse, your boss, your parents. But you have an enemy that works through people. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Those strongholds are those horrible thoughts Satan tries to put in your mind. And then in verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this whole thing is about taking your thoughts captive and bringing them into captivity to the obedience of Christ and do not let the enemy run wild with your thoughts. So we have two great passages to to make a diligent purpose to study. Uh, and the one is Psalms 119. We certainly don't have time to read that. That is the longest scripture in the Bible the longest chapter, I should say, in the Bible. But it teaches us all about the Word of God, which is our only weapon. And then the other passage that we need to study on our own time, that's Psalms 119 is the one that teaches us all about the Word of God. That would be a great place to start. And Ephesians six eleven through 16 teaches us how to put on the full armor of God. And... Uh, so, you know, I would like to thank you for stopping by today. We're going to read out of Apples, uh, Apples of Gold, a devotional in rhyme. It's going to be reading out of September the 18th uh, passage, and uh, it'll go right along with our scriptures that we've read today. And in Apples of Gold, a devotional in rhyme in September, uh, September the 18th, it says, it comes out of Numbers 2319. And it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And then the little poem that goes with that portion is, if the Lord has given you a promise, 
it's as good as done. For none of his promises shall fail. No, not a single one. So trust the Lord with all your heart. Do your best to obey. Then stand back and watch what happens and try not to get in the way. Amen. God's got your back. He's got what you need in his word. And he is going to get you through whatever you're going through. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if it's a Red Sea. I don't care if it's a pit with lions in it with their mouths open waiting to eat you up. God's taken care of those kind of pits and those kind of oceans before, and he'll do it again. It says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did for Moses, what he did for Daniel, what he did for the Hebrew boys, He will do for you, and don't let anybody make you doubt that. And uh, the the miracles of God have not gone anywhere. They're still all as strong as they've ever been. Amen? And so if you have been spoken to by this message, I would love it if you would like this and possibly follow me here on my podcast. And if it's ministered to you, I would really appreciate it if you would share it on your social media. That would really help my page grow. And you can go to my website at www.asheepspeaks.org to find links to my Facebook page, YouTube page, and my contact information. And the book, Apples of Gold, A Devotional in Rhyme, is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, It's also available from me if you want to find my contact information and uh, send me an email. And I'm available in the Houston area and surrounding areas to sing, to sing, speak, or minister in gospel storytelling, which is me telling part of my amazing testimony that I've spoken to you about a tiny bit of it uh, this morning, and uh, along with singing uh, gospel music. And so once again, that website is www.asheepspeaks.org. And I am here on my podcast every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. And you can find out more information on my website. Like I said, I have links to all my pages and my contact information, my email and my phone number. If you would like to give me a call and get me to speak or sing at your event, I'd love to do a ladies' meeting. I speak at conferences, ladies' ladies conferences, and uh, appreciate you being here today and hope to see you on Tuesday. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.